Boy, aren't you glad you know he's real, amen? You know, I've never touched him physically. I've even never, never even saw him with the natural eye before, but I know one thing. Boy, boy, God changed my life when he saved me, and I sure am glad that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that not only that he's real, but what he's done in my heart is just as real. What a wonderful God we have. Well, if you have your Bible tonight, I want you to join me in the book of 2 Timothy, uh, chapter number 4, and I'd like to read some verses here in our, uh, for our, our message this evening. Uh, page number 1281, if you have an old Schofield Bible, or 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to invite you to join us again for live stream Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and then back again on Sunday afternoon at 5.30. We'll do that one more week, and then we're going to switch over and do some things a little bit different. And uh, so you pray much, if you will, that God will help us uh, going forward. Pray for wisdom about all that as well. And join us again on Sunday, and man, just do your best right now to have a little church at home as I was preaching the other night. Let's just do our best to honor the Lord in these days. Second Timothy chapter 4 tonight, I, I want to read again verse number 1, and I want to read down through verse number 8. I'm going to go a little bit a different direction that I was in last Sunday night. In fact, what I want to talk about tonight is, uh, is, is death and dying. Well, aren't you glad you come to church on Wednesday night to be just, just to be just made morbid and miserable? And, uh, and I'm sorry, I, I don't mean it to be that, but I want to talk about death and I want to talk about dying tonight. Uh, you know, somebody said that the latest statistics out on the subject of death is one out of every one are dying. And so the fact of the matter is we all got to die someday. Don't like to think about it. Don't like to talk about it. In fact, I don't even want to be there when it happens. I was talking to somebody today, and they were talking about, man, I'm, I'm faced with death every day of my life. And, uh, you know, it, dying don't bother me as much as how it's going to happen. And, uh, boy, I could think about a number of ways I don't want to die. I mean, I don't want to die by getting shot, and I don't want to die by getting stabbed, and I don't want to die in a car wreck, and I don't want to die getting burnt up, and I don't want to die from a heart attack, and I don't want to die from COVID-19, and I don't want to die from, I just don't want to die. I don't want to. But you know something? If I live long enough, I'm going to die. Boy, that is deep. And that's one of them Yogi Berra statements there. You know, if you live long enough, you're going to die. And so I'm going to have to die some of these days. But I want, to, I want us to see death tonight in the light of, of how the Apostle Paul spoke about it. Let's read verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in king and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now he starts talking about death. And here's what he says. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. 
Please leave your Bibles open there for just a moment. I think one of those sheets is there on the, on the, um, the Internet there tonight. If you'd like, whatever you do, pull it off or whatever you do with it. And, uh, but just get the thought tonight that I want to give you from the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, bless your Word, I pray, and speak to our hearts. Speak to us right here in this auditorium. God, speak to people watching and listening tonight. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, for quite a while in our services on Wednesday evening, I have been involved in a series of sermons that I've been preaching from the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. I've been calling this entire series, I've called it a manual for maturity. Paul is writing to a young man by the name of Timothy. And what he's doing as he writes to Timothy is he's writing a very personal, a very intimate letter uh, which is written from one person to another person. And both of these people love the Lord Jesus and each other very, very deeply. So as we read these, these words of this, of this book, what we call a book, we're actually reading the mail of the Apostle Paul. Paul, on a previous occasion, has led young Timothy to the Lord Jesus uh, to, to be saved. Paul calls him over in the book of 1 Timothy. Paul said, you're my son in the faith. Uh, Timothy had a godly mama and a godly grandmother who had been putting the Word of God into him. And so I guess when Paul preached there in the city of Derby, Timothy was literally ripe for the picking. And Timothy got saved. He got gloriously saved. Sometime later, Paul, back in that same area, heard about young Tim and took Timothy under his wing to become a part of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And as of the writing of this letter, we know that Paul understands that his time on earth is now very short. So he writes to Timothy and encourages him to stand fast and to be steadfast, uh, steadfast in the work of the Lord. We're in the closing chapter now of this letter. Paul understands that his time on earth is now drawing to a close. He has come to the end of the road. He's locked up in prison. There's no more moving about. No more starting churches and, uh, and, and winning souls as such. Those days are now in the past. The only thing that Paul has to look forward to now is a dungeon and death. He's sitting in the famed Mamertine prison, a disgusting and a vile place, uh, filthy, dark, and, and smelly as he lives out, spends his final days here on this earth. And as he closes this letter, he has a word about three things. We looked at those last week. He has a word about the apostasy. He warns Timothy that the time, in verse 3, is going to come when they will not endure Sound doctrine. Verse 4 says they shall turn away their ears from the tooth. Paul said, Timothy, these days, the days are coming of a time of apostasy. Now, when Paul said the time will come, I guess we would say, now the time has come. But Paul says, Timothy, regardless of what they want, don't worry about what they want. Give them what they need. And Timothy, preach the word and be instant in season and out of season. You know, there seems to be a tendency today. There seems to be a desire from churches anymore for preachers not to preach anymore. Oh, brother, we don't mind the song service as such. We don't mind all the drama and the dialogue and all the stuff that's going on in churches today. But churches give very little time to the preaching of the Word of God. You know what started out with Madonna singing? 
Papa, don't preach, has now wound up in the churches, in the pews with the people saying, Preacher, don't preach. But if there's ever been a day that we've needed preaching, it's in these days that you and I are living in. Paul said, Timothy, the, 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 the apostasy that started in the pulpit with a turning from the truth has now reached the pew. People no longer want the truth. But Timothy preached uh, verse number uh, 2, preach the word. Then he goes on to say, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Healthy preaching. Uh, that word uh, uh, sound doctrine is where we get our, our word hygiene from. Wholesome, pure uh, preaching. They won't endure that. They don't want sound doctrine. They want somebody to soothe their conscience to, as Paul said, to, uh, to scratch their itching ears. Paul spoke about a day of apostasy. But then he moves from the apostasy to words regarding the ministry. In verse number 5, he tells Timothy, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So he says, okay, Timothy, we move now from the apostasy to the responsibility that goes along with the ministry. And then he concludes these opening words of the final chapter of this letter by talking about eternity. And that's what I want to focus on tonight in verse 6, in verse 7, in verse number 8, Paul's words regarding eternity. You see, Paul understands that the end is now near. Perhaps Paul, as he sits there in the Mamertine prison, can actually hear them building the, the guillotine that will actually sever his head from the rest of his body, bringing instant death. He knows that the end is near. But as we have seen in these words that I've read tonight, Paul is not facing death as a bitter old man belching out the frustrations of his life. You know, it's been rightly said that the devil has no happy old people. Have you ever thought about that? Somebody that spends their whole life living for the devil and living for the things of the world. When it comes down to the end of the road, there's no such thing as an old, happy, unsaved person. I remember years ago, there used to be a commercial on television, and it was one of these alcohol commercials, one of these old beer commercials, and they said as the commercial went off the air, they said something like this, it don't get any better than this. And can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly right. Because when you give your life to alcohol, it's all downhill from there. So here sits Paul facing certain death. And as we read these final words, we understand he's not angry, he's not bitter, he's not frustrated. In fact, we find just the opposite. Paul is facing the time of death in his life with great victory and great joy and great serenity in his heart. It almost seems like to me Paul is actually eagerly anticipating his death. Paul knew something about the Lord Jesus that many of us need to get a hold of, and that's this. Jesus always saves the best for last. You know, that is so true, isn't it? Uh, he always say it just gets better and better. You know something with the world and the, and the devil and the flesh, it don't get better, no better than it is right now. It just continually goes downhill. But you know something? When it comes to serving God and living for Jesus and loving the Lord, I'm telling you, the further it goes, the better it becomes. So he's writing about death 
and he is writing about eternity. And really, in verse number 6 is the verse I want us to look at tonight, but he uses, in verse number 6, he uses what we would call two euphemisms to kind of describe what death, his death, is going to be like. For instance, there in verse number 6, he says this, For I am now ready to be offered. Now, the idea, the, the picture that he's painting there is a picture of a sacrifice, a sacrifice that has been laid on the altar. And Paul said, my life has been lived as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for the Lord Jesus. Paul has wrote about that earlier in his writings in the book of Romans chapter 12 in verse number 1 when Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, we're, we're, we understand that all throughout the Old Testament, people came and they offered unto God dead sacrifices. That was their way of literally staying right with God. It was their way of expressing their faith in the coming Messiah, in the coming sacrifice. Sacrifice uh, of all sacrifices in the person of the Messiah. God was looking for dead sacrifices. But in the New Testament, Paul said God no longer wants us to be a dead sacrifice. God wants us to be a living sacrifice. And Paul, as he concludes his life, said, man, that's where I've lived. I have lived my life as a living sacrifice, but now I understand death is here. It is time for me to make the final sacrifice of my life. Life. So he says here in verse number 6, I'm ready to be offered. The picture is that of a drink offering. You may remember that once the sacrifice was laid upon the brazen altar, it was affixed to the horns of that altar so that it wouldn't fall off. And then right at the end of the burnt sacrifice, they would bring a liquid and they would pour over the burnt sacrifice and the steam would rise up signifying the completion of the sacrifice. And Paul is saying, I have lived in such a way that I've tried to give my life as a living sacrifice and now it is time for the drink offering to be poured upon signifying the sacrifice has now been consumed and received. Boy, I want to so live my life as a living sacrifice for my Lord. He died for me. The least I can do is to live for Him. But what I'm really interested in tonight in verse number 6, and this is where I'm going with this, Paul said this, The time of my departure is at hand. Now, I looked that word departure up, and, and the word is only used two times in the whole Bible. It's used back in the book of Ezekiel in a totally different kind of a setting. And then Paul uses it here in our text to describe his death. Paul said, my death is a departure. You know, there are many words that we use in the English language. It's one word, but it's used in a variety of ways. And you'll have to forgive me because this is about the best illustration that I could come up with. But it's just a word that we use but we use it depending on who's using it. I mean, it, 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 I guess I could say it, it has a, de a variety of, of, of definitions, a variety of ways, maybe a variety of pictures to use the word. The word that I'm thinking about, forgive me now, is the word pop, P-O-P. -P. In other words, I got to thinking about how that word pop is a child's word. You know, sometimes children as they get older, refer to their daddy as, hey, pop, P-O-P, -P, pop. It could be a children's word referring to it, their daddy. It could be a thirsty man's word referring to, hey, I'll have 
pot to drink. Now, I know I'm from Mount Airy, and, and I don't know what y'all call it down here, but we have always called cola, soda, whatever you want to call it. I've always thought it's pretty sissy to call it soda, but uh, I have, we have always referred to Pepsi or Coke or whatever. When you go somewhere, what do you want to drink? Man, I'll, I, I want some pop. And, and it's a thirsty man's word. It's used to describe Pepsi or Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew or whatever. I'll have pop. It's a children's word. Maybe used to refer to their dad. It's a thirsty man's word, refusing to, uh, uh, maybe to, uh, uh, used in a way to, uh, this is what he wants to drink. But then I thought about pop, it's a mama's word. Because how many times has my mama looked at me and said, I'm going to pop you. I mean, it's, it's one word, but it's used in a variety. How many of y'all ever been popped by your mama? Man, I've been popped and pinched. I still got bruises on my leg where mama used to pinch me in church. It, it's, it's one word, but it's used in a variety of ways. Can I say tonight that that word, departure, is just a one, it's one word, but it is used, or it was used in the culture of the Apostle Paul in a variety of ways. And it's used in a way that really depicts what death is for a child of God. Now, I said a moment ago, we're all going to have to die some of these days. I don't know how much longer I have to live. I'd like to think. I'm 57. I'd like to think that maybe I'll live to be 87, so maybe i got another 30 years, another 30 Christmases, another 30 birthdays for you all to buy me something. I mean, I'd like to think maybe i got, you know, some days right out there in front of me, but who knows, man, I, I may not have. I may only have 30 days. Maybe I don't have 30 years. Maybe i got 30 weeks. None of us know. You, not, you don't know, and neither do I. Maybe that's why the Bible cautions us to boast not thyself of the morrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. That's Proverbs 27.1. Maybe that's the reason that we're warned over in James 4.14 that life is like a vapor that appeared for a little time. Life is here and then life is gone. I mean, it's here. The life is very brief. It's very short. And then come time to die. And, and, and death for a child of God is much, much different than death for an unbeliever. Well, I'm so glad I'm saved. You know why I'm glad I'm saved? Because I'm ready for the hour of death. And again, I hope it's later than sooner, but whenever it is, I just want you to know I'm ready for it. And in a way, as Paul writes that word departure... He, he depicts to us what it means for a child of God to die. So grab your prayer sheet. Let's, let's work through this. First of all, that word departure. Can I say, first of all, that it was a prisoner's word because death is an unlocking. It was a prisoner's word because death is an unlocking. Now, you've got to understand, back in Paul's day, when a man had served his time in prison, he had paid the debt that he was assigned to by the court that he owed to society. When it came time for him to be released, they referred to that release as a departure. The uh, Greek word is the word analysis. It almost sounds like our English word analysis. And it was the word departure. It, it referred to the unlocking of the cell for the last time, and the freeing of the prisoner. Now, of course, we know that at this particular time that Paul is locked up in jail. At this particular time, he's, he's, he's confined. He's restricted. He's in a dark, damp, depressing, dismal, discouraging place 
to say the least. But Paul said, you know something, I, I'm just, I just want y'all to know that I'm kind of looking forward to this because really what it means to me is when I die, it is a permanent unlocking of the cell. It is a permanent freeing of the prisoner. It is a permanent letting go. It is a permanent exodus from the cell of life. You know, many times because of the aging of our bodies, uh, these old bodies of ours literally become a prison that we live in. And many of you are there at that point of your life. Through the years and the process of life, there's a wiring down of these bodies. There is a wiring out. And things begin to happen to these bodies of ours. You know, arthritis comes. I remember Brother Zeno saying years ago, when you get old, he said, what don't hurt don't work. That's, how, that's what he said. Now, I'm not there yet, but I can tell you this. Man, I don't feel as good as I used to feel. I really don't. And I'm really, I, I, it used to didn't bother me to climb a tree or whatever, but now I can get on the house a little bit and look down. I'll tell you what, I'm wobbly a little bit up there. You know why? My body is in the process of aging. Arthritis comes, limits your movement. Disease comes along. The breathing problems, the struggles. I mean, man, the, 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 the breakdown of the body. But here's the problem with that. Most of the time, your mind is still good. My mind still tells me I can hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. And now if I face one, what I would probably start doing is right when the pitcher went into his windup, I'd start swinging with all my life right that very moment. You know something? My mind still says I can do things. But, of course, we know the body of ours has limitations. Many times as we near that point in life, our body becomes our own prison cell. We're restricted because of cords oxygen cords. You either have to carry your little tank along with you or you can only go so far in the house because the cord only has so far a reach. We think about how medication, we got to be home at a certain time to take this pill. We got, we got to be home at a certain time because uh, we got to get that medicine. We can't move about as freely as we used to move. Things start breaking down. We become a prisoner in our own body. But praise God, one of these days, ladies and gentlemen, death is going to come. And when death comes, God's going to reach down with the heavenly key and unlock the cell once and for all of these old bodies. And there is going to be a permanent releasing, a permanent unlocking. And we're headed to a place where there's going to be no more restrictions, no more confinements, and no more pains. Praise God. Death is going to be an unlocking for the people of God. Oh, yeah. That word departure, it was, a, it was a prisoner's word, which meant an unlocking. Don't worry about me because when I do die, tell you what's going to happen. God's going to come down and open the cell door and let the real me out. Amen. Uh, well, this ain't exciting y'all as much. I guess y'all ain't as old as I am yet, but, but it's an it's a unlocking. Number two, that word departure was not only a, a, a prisoner's word, which meant unlocking, but that word departure was a farmer's word because it was a word of unyoking. That's right. They used that word departure. You know, at the end of the day, in, in, in the end of the day when the oxen left the field and at the, at the, at the beginning of, of, the, of the dusk of night, 
As the sun began to sink in the western sky, that old oxen wore out from shouldering the burdens of that day and pulling that old heavy load. And boy, there was that beast, and he was under that yoke, wearing that yoke, and under that burden, and that strenuous work that he was involved in. But that, as the sun began to set, and the farmer headed him toward the barn, that old beast would know that it was not going to be long until the burden had been lifted. The yoke had been taken off. You know, Paul had borne many burdens in his life. Paul had plowed the fields for his master for many years. But Paul was now facing death. And he saw it as not only a permanent unlocking of the sail, but he saw it as a time when God was going to lift the burden. God was going to take off the yoke that he had been wearing for all of those years. He was heading for the barn at the setting of sun, and there was going to be an unyoking of the burdens and the problems and the difficulties of life. Boy, death's like that for the child of God. One day God is going to take the yoke off. And one of, the day, one of these days, the burdens are going to be lifted. You know, many times in this walk of life, we have those heavy burdens. And the problems of life become very great. Many of us, I said us, we pull heavy loads through life. Some of you tonight, maybe here in the auditorium or else listening there by live stream of radio, you're in a time of, 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 of carrying a heavy burden. You're in the time of a, of, a, of, a, of a heavy yoke upon your life. But aren't you glad one of these days evening is going to come? For many of you, the sun is already beginning to set in the western sky. You may already be headed in the process of the born, but can I just encourage you, when we get there, we're going to be unyoked. The burdens are going to be lifted, and we have pulled the last load for the last time because death is an unyoking for a child of God. So it's an unlocking. It's an unyoking. But then I like this. That word departure was a soldier's word. Because death is also an unwinding. You see, here's what I understand about that. Here's this soldier, and he's been brought to an area and been commanded to set up camp. He has pitched his tent, and then he goes off and fights a very long, a very fierce, and a very hard battle. It's been fiercely fought, and he's watched many of his comrades fall by his side. But then one day, the battle is over. One day, the victory's been won. One day, the dust has settled. The enemy has been defeated, and the soldier is ordered by the commanding officer to return back to camp and to take up his tent and move on. You know, Paul knew what it was like to be a soldier of the Lord. He has fought many battles for the Lord down through this walk of life. And Paul had been a good soldier. He endured, he endured the hardness and the fierceness of the battle. Along the way, he saw many of his comrades fall by his side. He saw many been captured by the enemy. But Paul had stayed faithful. And now as he's nearing this time of death, thank God the battle is now over. The victory has been won. And the call is coming to Paul. Pull up tent. We're moving on. 
Hey, can I say today that it is a battle to stay right with the Lord. You can't just go out and walk in this old world haphazardly, coincidentally, and accidentally stay right with God. We have to battle in this walk of life. And just to be honest with you, sometimes we win the battle. And just to be honest with you, sometimes we lose the battle. But thank God one of these days we're going to fight the last battle. The last war is going to be fight. The last shot's going to be fired. The last revelry is going to be blown. And praise God, death is going to come. We're going to pack up our tents, bless the Lord, and head for a land where there's not going to be any more battles or struggles or fights again. No more casualties. No more conflict, praise God. You know why? Death for the child of God is an unwinding. We're going to pull up old tent, pull up stakes one day, and move on. It was a soldier's word because it meant unwind. How many of y'all are with me on this? I need to quit. I've only got 17 more. I mean, are we okay? I mean, is it? No, I'm kidding. I got, I got two more. Not only was it a soldier's word, which meant unwinding, but it was a, a seaman's word because death is an unmooring. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, an unmooring. What do I mean by that? Any of you have ever been in the Navy before? I haven't, but I've been around some boats in my time. But here sets the ship, and it's all tied up in the harbor. Its anchors are downed. Its ropes have been cast and are around the bollards. And then one day the captain gives call for the lines to be drawn, the anchors to be lifted, and the, and the ship is leaving the harbor, setting sail for distant shores. You know, Tennyson, I think, caught the truth of this when he wrote these words, Sunset, evening bar, and star, and one clear call for me, and may there be no morning at the bar when I put out to sea. Paul had been a man who had been involved in many a voyage throughout his life. In fact, he told us back in 1 Corinthians 11 that on three separate occasions he had been shipwrecked and spent days and nights out in the deep. But Paul knew that death was now coming, and Paul said, what's about to happen is this. Paul said, when they, when they kill me, when I die, they'll just be hoisting the anchors. They'll just be drawing the lines, and I'll be setting sail from the shores of time onto the sea of eternity, bound for the land of glory, because death is an unmooring. It's a departure. We're leaving out of here. One of these days, the old ship of Zion is going to set sail for the far shores of glory. And then here's my favorite one, number five. That word departure was a philosopher's word because it meant that death is an unraveling, a philosopher's word. It was a word, here, here's what it was. It was a word that was used when something that had become knotted was finally unraveled and straightened out. Let me tell you what I get from that. You know, life is full of, of many puzzles. A lot of things happen to us in this walk of life that we're not going to get an explanation for. Why did this happen? Why did I get this disease? Why have I lost my job? Why have my kids turned out like they turned out? 
why did my husband or wife leave me? Why? 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 You know, many things to us are all knotted up. Many things to us are all tangled up. There are many mysteries that go along in this walk of life. Many questions that we'll never, ever get answers for here. Many puzzles. Many perplexing things happens to us in this walk of life. But one day when death comes, all of that that's been tangled up will be unraveled and it will become clear to us the plan that God had for our life. You know why? I'll tell you why death is an unraveling for the people of God. Can't you just imagine some of the questions that Paul must have had in his mind? Why was I treated like this? Lord, why did I go through this? Lord, why did this have to happen? Why was I shipwrecked? Why did I get bit by that snake? Why, 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 why? But then when Paul passed away from this walk of life and got into heaven and got in the presence of Jesus with that new glorified body and glorified mind, all of the, all of the tangles had become unraveled because death is a word of unraveling. You know what it makes it almost sound like to me? And I'm not, I, 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 you know, I don't want COVID-19. I really don't. I try to, I try to put that anti-cootie cream on my hands. Every time I go somewhere, I've been using, when I go to McDonald's now, I can't believe I'm using cootie cream at McDonald's. But when I go through and somebody hands me money or whatever, you know something, I, I don't want, I don't, I'm not excited about dying. I'm really not. I'm not looking, uh, looking to die tonight. And by the way, if I die tonight and you have to walk by my body in two or three days, I'm telling you, I'm just as surprised by it as you are. I am not looking to die. But you know, just listening to everything he said about it, don't make it sound so bad. Now, I don't, I'm going to keep using my cootie cream. I'm going to wash my hands and use my cootie cream, and I'm going to try to take care of all this stuff, and I'm going to stay alive because I want to persecute. I mean, I want to preach as long as I can. But can I tell you something? When it comes time to die, can I tell you something? It's just an unlocking. Amen. It is just, it is just, what did I say it was? It is just an unyoking. Amen. It is just an unwinding. It is just an unmooring. It is just an unraveling. Sounds like to me, we got something to look forward to as God's people. Now, call your attention to one phrase, and I'm done. Look at verse 6. For I am now ready. Can I ask you something? Are you ready to die? I mean, if death came calling tonight, are you ready? You see, Paul was ready. Boy, I'm glad I can stand up here and tell you I'm not near the man that he was. But can I tell you this? Thank God I'm ready. I figure most everybody in here well, I got my doubt about one or two, but I'm kidding about that. I feel everybody in here is ready. But is there one listening tonight or watching and you're not ready? Can I tell you this? The greatest thing you can ever do in this walk of life is to get ready for the next life. And the way to do that, the only way, is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Are you now ready to die? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray tonight.